You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. One of my all-time favorite movies involves a man who had to make a choice. He had to choose between the physical, visible realm that he knew and this invisible realm that he did not know. And the choice came about when he understood that this invisible realm was actually controlling what was happening in the visible realm that he lived in and was so accustomed to. This movie, The Matrix, challenged Thomas Anderson to make a decision because he understood what the real world was. There are two worlds, the physical world we live in and this world behind the world, the spiritual realm. And the principle is simply this, everything visible and physical is controlled by something invisible and spiritual. And therefore, if you want to change the realm that you know, then you must draw from the invisible spiritual realm that you do not see. Because everything visible and physical is controlled by the invisible and spiritual. He had to make a choice, and so do you. We're in a battle, a spiritual war. But unless you know how to access your spiritual resources, in this case, the armor of God, that he has given us to equip us to fight in this world from that world, you cannot know spiritual victory. And God has called you to victory. He's called you to be like Thomas Anderson. He's called you to be the one. The one through whom he demonstrates the power from up there when executed down here shows that up there is greater than whatever you're facing right here. Guess what? You are the one. Good morning. So how was your Thanksgiving? Good. Are you uh, on strike with turkey now? I, I am. I, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. There's leftovers in the refrigerator that I will not eat. Uh, well, we're so glad you're here this morning. Um, we're going to move right into the message. So I want you to take your Bibles and open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, today, uh, we're going to conclude the series we've been in, which is a study in the book of Ephesians. And as we conclude this st- series, we're going to spend some time focusing on this invisible world that we just heard about. Uh, As we just heard, Dr. Evans uh, challenges us to understand the reality of the real world. And I want to read you a portion of what he just said. He says, um, there are two worlds, the physical world we live in and the world behind the world, the spiritual realm. Everything visible and physical is controlled by something invisible and spiritual. If you want to change the realm that we know, we must draw from the invisible spiritual realm we do not see because everything visible and physical is controlled by the invisible and the spiritual. Now, obviously, the thoughts, the concepts that Dr. Evans presents us with are not original thoughts of his own. In fact, he's drawing from what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6. And so I'd like you to follow along as I read in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. I'm going to read down through verse 18. In verse 10, it begins this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. In these verses, uh, what we find, Paul pulls back the the curtain on the spiritual mafia to uh, reveal to us the tremendous dark forces that have been set against us. And Paul's message, listen to this, Paul's message in reality in these verses is that the Christian life is not a playground. Instead, it's a battleground. Let me say that again. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. And as much as we may not like to hear that, wouldn't you rather it be a playground where it was just fun all the time? But that's not the case. As much as we uh, would not want to have to admit this is true, the truth of the matter is that as we walk out our life in Christ, we must be aware that we do have an adversary who wants to distract us, who wants to deceive us, who wants to destroy us. In fact, I want you to turn with me to a passage in 1 Peter. We want to look at just one verse in chapter 5. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 verse 8. It confirms what Paul is saying about this adversary. Uh, reading from verse 8 in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is proof to what Paul is saying. We have an enemy. We have an adversary and he has got it out for us. He does not want us to experience all that has been provided for us through Jesus Christ. The abundant life that God has given us. So he wants to distract us. He wants to deceive us. He wants to destroy us. He literally wants to devour us. He wants to see us no more. Um, Paul's uh, intent within these verses is to help us understand that we are daily engaged in a spiritual battle. Every day of our lives, we're engaged in spiritual conflict. But in the midst of the conflict, listen to this. I love this. In the midst of the conflict, we don't fight for victory, but we fight from victory. We do that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Let me say it again. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. In these verses, what we're going to see today is that Paul really presents us with four main ideas. Uh, We have an enemy who is actively engaged in battle with us. Uh, You and I have to actively engage in this battle, but we're not to do it independently. We're not to do it in isolation. We're going to see that God has provided us with all 
all the battle gear that we need for this battle. And finally, we're going to see that we are called. We have to aggressively, we have to proactively wear all this battle gear that God has provided us with. When we look in verse 10, we see immediately that Paul begins to prepare us for this battle. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love how this verse begins with the word finally. Because it's one of those times where Paul is marking, uh, causing us, looking, directing us back to the truths that he's already made us aware of throughout his letter to the Ephesians. And in fact, because it's at the conclusion of his letter, he's directing us back to to everything that he's made known, everything, every truth, every spiritual truth that he's addressed already. He's saying, take note of these. In other words, he's saying, finally, or because you've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenlies, and because you were once spiritually dead, but now you're alive in Christ, and because uh, you were once far off from God, but you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, and because you were once alien, separated from God, but you've been brought into his family, and because you are a dwelling place from God and because you've been given a spirit of wisdom and understanding so that you can know truth and because you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit with everything that you need for this life. He's saying because of these things, draw from these spiritual blessings and recognize that your strength comes from God and his mighty power. And that's actually the first component of spiritual warfare that Paul presents us with in these verses. In order to walk in spiritual, in victory in spiritual warfare, we have to know our strength. We have to know our strength. As Christ followers, we have to know we are in a battle. And as Christ followers, we have to know that God has provided us with all the power that we need to fight this battle. And as Christ followers, we have to understand that we have to intentionally, we have to be very intentional about relying on and drawing from this power so that we can be uh, victorious in spiritual warfare. Listen, within ourselves, we cannot empower ourselves for this spiritual battle. It's just not possible. You and I don't have the strength required for the spiritual struggle. That's why we have to continue to recognize that our strength comes from Christ. Our identity, and this is what we've been learning all throughout the past five, now six weeks, is that we are in Christ. This is our identity. Um, we're engaged in spiritual warfare that requires spiritual resources and spiritual strength in ourselves, in our own strength. We are no match for Satan. You believe that? Have you ever tried to fight the battle on your own? We are no match. But listen to this. Here's the great news. Satan is no match for God. Think about that. He's no match for God. Now think about this. I use this verse often. It's a life verse for me. Colossians 3, 3 says, Our lives are hidden away with Christ in God. Because that's true, because our life is hidden with Christ in God, we are in God, that means we win. Because we're relying on God's power, we win. Our life is hidden away with Christ in God. Now, because we're engaged in a spiritual battle, that means there's no laziness. According to Paul, there's no laziness allowed. There's no coasting. 
You can't be passive in this spiritual battle. But instead, we have to passionately, tenaciously pursue Christ so that his strength works in us and works out through us. It's manifest in us. You know, we've always been told that the best offense is a good defense. Well, that's true spiritually speaking. And our best defense is to recognize God's power and to draw from it. I'd like for you to look at a passage of scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. For many, this will be familiar. Maybe some of you will hear this for the first time. But it talks about the strength that we have from God. Beginning in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Listen, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When we have that kind of strength available to us, when we have that kind of power available to us, why would we try to fight this battle with our own efforts? Because we can't do it. But we have this supernatural strength that comes from God. The second component of spiritual warfare that Paul presents us with is that in order to walk in victory in spiritual warfare, we have to know our struggle. We have to know our struggle. Paul has brought us to grips with the fact that we have an enemy. And he's given him a name. He is the devil. And he's told us his mode of operation. He's crafty, he's cunning, and he's scheming. It's very interesting, but uh, because of the way verse 10 is written in the original language, it would cause us to understand that these schemes that the enemy has, they're not general schemes. They're very specific schemes. And uh, the way it's written in the, the, the original language, it suggests that the devil and his army have very specific, tailor-made schemes tailored to each individual because they know our weaknesses and they know what leads us to sin. They know. And so these schemes are tailor-made. It's not just some general blanket, hey, there's the schemes. But it looks at Cami or myself or every person in this room. And they, they tailor-make schemes based on, on your own weaknesses. We have to be aware of this. That's why it's so important. If we're going to be successful in battle, we have to know the enemy that we face so that we can recognize his threats. And we can know his schemes. Uh, Paul gives us even more insight um, into this battle. So often, um, we, we tend to think that our, our, our battleground is in our personal relationships, right? How many, you may not want to say, any husbands, wives have an argument on the way before church this morning? Don't, don't admit it. And so we look at those, um, those, those battles that go on in our relationships and we say, well, that's the battleground. But what Paul is helping us to say, no, it's, it's more. 
it, it, it's much more. Uh, the battleground, the real battleground, is, is it's a hierarchy of evil, invisible, supernatural beings that are organized. And here's what they're determined to do. Listen, they're determined to disrupt, discourage, disillusion, discomfort, disarm, disrupt, dissatisfy, dissuade, distract, disappoint, dishearten, distress, disqualify, disturb, destroy, and deceive. Has anybody had any of those schemes thrown at you lately? Raise your hand. This is the way our enemy works. They are tailor-made schemes. And our enemy, our adversary, is always engaged in spiritual conflict with us in the realm that we cannot see. And we must be aware of this. We have to know the kind of enemy that we face. Now, to recognize these schemes in no way negates the fact that because we have relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we have peace. We have that peace that passes all understanding that comes from the Prince of Peace in the midst of these schemes being thrown at us. We can walk through each one of these. If we choose, we can walk in peace. And it doesn't negate the fact that we have joy and comfort, love that comes from God the Father, given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what it does tell us, it affirms the fact that our life as Christ followers is not a playground. It is a battlefield. We may not want to hear this, but this is the reality. This is what we're dealing with. So we need to know our enemy. So let me tell you some things we need to know about our enemy. His name is Satan. We know that he was a, a, a created being, created by God, and he rebelled against God, and he was cast out of heaven, and he was cast into hell. And we know that um, uh, he is the father of lies, that everything he speaks is a lie. He, there's nothing about him that, that speaks of truth. He will only speak in the language of lies to us. And here's what we know. He is defeated. He is defeated through the finished work of the cross. But even though he's defeated, he has been given the authority. He's been given the title of the God of this world. And so he has the ability to throw these schemes at us. It's just that in him doing that, we have to stand firm in who we are. We have to stand firm in our identity so that when those schemes come, we can deflect them. They do not have to take us down. Let me tell you the third component of spiritual warfare that Paul gives us. He says, or what we learn is in order to walk in victory in spiritual warfare, we have to know our strategy. We have to know our strategy. A Christ follower who has no strategy or who follows no strategy in spiritual warfare is very easy prey for the enemy. So we have to proactively engage in this battle. We have to proactively walk out our faith. So what is our strategy? Well, in verse 11, Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. So Paul 
using the comparison of a Roman soldier helps us to understand that in the same way that a soldier dresses and prepares daily for battle, that you and I as, cross, as Christ followers, because we're in a spiritual battle every day, we have to put on the full battle gear that God has given us, that he's provided us with so that we can walk in the victory that's been provided with. So Paul deals with seven pieces of armor and I want to briefly walk you through each of these pieces of armor. We want to just say practically, how do we wear these pieces of armor? So the first piece of armor that he deals with is he says, put on the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. So pra- practically speaking, what, what does that mean? Well, when the adversary, the devil, begins to assault us with deception with the lies and he is constantly throwing lies at us there's a battle that exists within our mind and as he is uh, launching as he is assaulting us with these lies we have to be able to deflect those lies with truth the belt of truth. And so what we do is when the devil is uh, assaulting you with lies, making you feel unworthy, that, that you're no good, when there's condemnation, what we do is we speak truth. And I believe that we need to verbally speak the truth out. And so what we say is, no, that's a lie. And I'm not going to fall for your lie. I'm not going to fall for your trap. I'm not going to fall for your deception. Instead, I recognize that I've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies through Jesus Christ. And I recognize that I am covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that when God sees me, he looks at me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm in right standing with him. And I recognize that, yes, I was spiritually dead, but now I am spiritually alive because of Jesus Christ. And I recognize that I'm not an orphan, but instead I am a member of God's family. And whatever the lie is, we deflect that with truth, the belt of truth. And we call the enemy for what he is. You are a liar. You are a father of lies. And this is the truth that I will present because I believe this. I know this is true. He goes on and he says, we have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Practically speaking, what does this mean? Well, the breastplate would have been worn over the heart. One of the most common schemes that the enemy um, puts out towards us is to condemn us, causing us to feel guilt and shame and causing us to feel that we are unworthy to be loved or accepted by God. And so we become, if we allow it, we allow ourselves to be riddled, to be burdened with guilt and shame because of the deception uh, of the enemy. Uh, These tactics are aimed at our heart. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness. And what happens is when those um, tactics, when those schemes are aimed at us to make us feel unworthy of God's love, that we couldn't be accepted, what we say is, um, my righteousness is not based on what I've done or what I've achieved. Or my righteousness is not based on what I haven't done or I haven't achieved. But instead, I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And it's true that when God looks at me, he looks at me through the blood of Jesus and therefore he sees me justified and in right standing with him. 
So take that enemy because that's the truth that combats your lies. See, it all goes back to the truth. We have to know the truth. He goes on and he says we are to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Well, what does that mean for us? How do we wear the shoes of the gospel of peace? Well, it's interesting. Um, A Roman soldier's shoes or sandals, the soles of those were embedded with spikes or, or with nails. And the reason they were embedded with spikes or nails is so that when they came face to face with the enemy, they could dig their feet in and take a stand so that as the enemy was trying to assault them, they didn't lose their balance, but they had a firm footing. For you and I, the enemy in his tactics, in his schemes, wants to get us out of balance. The enemy wants to cause us to lose our footing. So... The way we combat that is that we rely completely on the gospel of peace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that when the enemy comes, uh, you see, if we lose our footing, we become more susceptible to the enemy's tactics, to the enemy's schemes. But when we're rooted in the belief that the gospel of Jesus Christ is everything I need, then we dig our feet in and as the tactics are coming, again, we get to combat it with truth. We stand firm. The enemy cannot take us down. The enemy can't get us out of balance. But instead, we stand firm in the face of the enemy and we combat the tactics, the schemes, the tailor-made schemes of the enemy. He goes on and he says that we're to take up the shield of faith. Well, how do we wear the shield of faith or how do we take up the shield of faith? Um, In ancient warfare, uh, oftentimes the enemy at the beginning of battle, would launch an overwhelming amount of flaming arrows at their opponent. And they did it to cause panic and anxiety and fear. And um, oftentimes, even though the soldier had their shield up, uh, the, the, the shield would take the arrow, but because it was flaming, the enemy's hope is that it would cause panic because there was fire attached to the shield that they were holding. The enemy's hope is that they would put the shield down so that they would be fully exposed. Have you, in the past few days, at any point felt like there has been an overwhelming amount of flaming arrows coming at you from the enemy that has caused fear or panic or anxiety. Because that's what he's doing. He's always flaming or launching flaming arrows. And his hope is that somehow we will put our shield down, the shield of faith, and be fully exposed so that he can take us down, so that he can devour us. The shield of faith, again, is our, our faith in the faithfulness of God. That God will never leave me. That God will never forsake me. That he will always be there. And it's faith to believe that the shield of faith will not only stop the, the flaming arrows of the enemy, but it has the power to put the flaming arrow out. So we stand with the shield of faith. And then he says we are to put on the helmet of salvation. How do you wear the helmet of salvation? What did the helmet do? It protected the the head. So for us, it protects our mind. So often, the enemy will come at us with those uh, tailor-made schemes to bring doubt and discouragement. Uh, Even to the point that we would begin to doubt God. 
or, or we would doubt our faith. But when we put on the helmet of salvation, recognizing that I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, I have forgiveness of my sin. Nothing can take that away from me. I'm, I, I, I stand before God in right standing. Then our mind is protected because of our belief in, in the salvation that we have. So we don't doubt God, but instead we, we draw closer to God because we understand he's not going to leave. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to leave us in the lurch. And then he goes on and he says, take up the sword of the spirit. How many of you, uh, maybe as children in Sunday school, you ever, did you ever do a sword drill at church? You know what that is? You don't? Oh my goodness. Who said I do? Yes. So everybody would line up and the teacher would um, say attention and you draw swords and she, she or he would give a scripture and they would say, go. And you have to, be, the first one that got the, the, uh, the, to the scripture, you, you read it and, and you won that round. So the point I'm making is this is our sword. God has given us uh, this instrument in our, in our warfare that it's the sword, the word of God. And the, and the word itself tells us that, that that sword is active and it's alive. It's the very breath of God. And so if we want to be successful in fighting this spiritual battle, that's why we've got to know this. We've got to have something in the reservoir of our soul. We've got to have the reservoir full of the nuggets, the truths, the concepts, the precepts in the word so that when the enemy comes, we can draw from that. And we say, what did Jesus do when he was being tempted by the devil? He said, no, it is written. He immediately began to use the sword, the word to combat the enemy. And you and I have to do the same thing. But if we're not filling up the reservoir, then we're more susceptible to the schemes of the enemy. We're, we're more susceptible to the tactics. And I know, listen, it takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of time. But this is the greatest thing that we could ever read, that we could ever study, that we could ever memorize, that we could ever take on. Because this is life. It's the very breath of God. And finally, he says, we are to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. In other words, prayer must invade every aspect of the battle that we fight. We pray. We ask God for the wisdom. We ask God for the discernment. We ask God, show us the schemes. Show us the tactics of our enemy. Show me how to fight. Take me to the places in your word where I can find the truths that I can speak to the lies of the enemy. And guess what? He'll do it. He'll, he'll do it every time. So, it just ending this message and then bringing this series to a conclusion. One of the things that I wanted to say is that this message is not, it's not to cause fear about this invisible world that, I mean, I could really scare you and start talking about what you can't see in the room right now. But notice I didn't do that. Um, but it, it's not about demon chasing. And it's not about placing blame for every situation in life. It was the devil. It was the devil. It is because of the, the, the influences of the spiritual realm. But we also have to take responsibility because sometimes we allow the influences of the enemy, we, we, we give into those and we just make really dumb decisions. 
And we have to take responsibility for that. But we have to know there is a spiritual battle that is waging against us. And we have an enemy who wants to take us down. But the great thing that we've learned from Ephesians is that we've been given everything we need for this battle. Every single thing has already, again, we, the first week we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. And as we've studied Ephesians, we've talked about the fact that it's not just about the doctrine and the theology of the book, but that Paul spends much time saying that there should be such a work of the Holy Spirit going on inside of you that there's transformation happening on the inside and it works itself out so that there's a change in our behaviors because there is a behavior that God expects of us as Christ followers. And sometimes we forget that and we can't because we're continually being called to be transformed and become like Him. And I believe that that's what we're all doing. I believe that that's our hearts. And we're doing that together as a church. We're growing and we're becoming more like him. But church, can we continue? Let's don't let it stop because we finished Ephesians. But let this be our ongoing desire is transformation and becoming like him. Would you stand? I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power in your word. Thank you that you've given your word to us. And thank you that you reveal your word to us by your Holy Spirit. Father God, I pray that uh, as we are more and more aware of the invisible battle going around in us, that we would be a people who daily dress ourselves in the armor, the battle gear that you provided. And I pray that we... Um, find great success in the battle, great victory because we're drawing from your power and we're drawing from the victory of the finished work of the cross. Father, I also pray that we would be a people who are continually, that our greatest desire is to be like you. And so we would take in the word, we would read the word, we would study the word, we would apply the word, we would memorize the word. We would share the word. We would speak the word. We would live by the word so that we can become more like you, that we can be transformed. I pray that for us today. I pray this for us every day. Father God, we surrender to you. We present ourselves to you today again and again and again. Thank you for your presence here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.